My name is Lorelai Drock. I was born Lori Shenning and upper Midwest, Wisconsin, rural Wisconsin, which plays into my near-death experience. I was born to a German Catholic family. I had my first near-death experience at seven, though my mother always said I was an old soul, so to speak. Yeah, I always kind of had a, a more mature understanding for my age, you might say. But at this particular day, uh, I was seven years old, as I said, and my brother wanted to check out our quarry. We lived on a 191-acre farm that used to be, as I said, a quarry, and they struck the natural springs. So we had about five or six tons, but we had a really deep one that was about 30 foot deep that my family had turned into like a swimming hole in the other, and they stocked fish. And my brother wanted to go down there, and my aunt and uncle happened to be visiting, and my mother was cooking a Sunday dinner. We always had company on Sunday. I think she was making chili at the time, uh, and she asked him to take his sister with him, of course, get me out of underfoot. Uh, so the four of us went down. It was probably about mm, almost a mile walk to this farthest pond, and it had two entrances. One was as I said, where they were fishing and where the bluegills spawn. Um, the other end, they had built this kind of pallet type pier that went out to the deepest area. So my brother wanted to check on the fish. So my uncle stayed there with him at the first entrance. And me and my aunt continued down to go check out the pier. Next to this area was a big frog pond. So that was like my favorite area to check out is the deep area and uh, the little pond with all the frogs next to it. So I made my way down this little this little cliff to the pier and I, I walked down and went out to the end of the pier and was just looking at the water. Uh, it was probably about mid-afternoon, I would say, the way the light was reflecting off the water. And I was standing on the left side of the pier just kind of looking at the water, but the way the light was hitting it, I was feeling woozy, like sucked in, you know, like the pier starts to like kind of move with the water and the light reflecting. Um, so I was feeling almost lulled. So I moved away from the direct sun in onto the right side of the pier. And that's where I was when my aunt was like, I want to check on your uncle, make sure they're okay. Are you going to be safe? And I was like, yeah, of course, I'm not getting off of here. I don't know how to swim. I'm just going to sit here. Anyway, so I was just standing there and she went to go check on my uncle. This is kind of like the last memory I have because I was just looking at the water. The next thing I know, I was feet first thinking. And I, I remember seeing the bubbles come up in front of my face. That's like the first conscious thought I had. I don't know how I got into the water. And as the first conscious thought was these bubbles coming in front of my face going, oh my God, if I take a breath in, I'm dead. And the minute I did and thought that thought, I was out of my body watching it sink. And I was like, I would say like 20 feet above. I mean, like trying to gauge that, watching it sink and seeing my aunt realize she must have heard me fall in. And then I was like my moving consciousness. And first it went into my brother and my brother was thinking, can I get to her faster if I swim or if I run? And it's weird. I'm laughing because I'm like, you can't do either very fast. What are you thinking? I was really, I felt like I was laughing, like, what are you thinking? And then my uncle, next thing I was aware of his consciousness, and he was like, oh. he could hear my aunt screaming. It's like, oh my God, they're going to blame us. You know, we were supposed to be watching her. 
all of that was running through his mind. And then I shifted to my aunt. And by then she had like, was trying to run back and get down to the pier. And she's freaking out because she doesn't swim. And she's like, how can I hang on to this? How can I reach her from here? Not fall in myself so that we both drown kind of thing. That She was like, just freaking out how she would reach me in time. And then all of a sudden I was like farther out. I was like, I felt like I was way up high in the sky, like a cloud wide. And I could see for miles. And next thing I was connecting with my mom's consciousness back at home. And she was, you know, wondering if we saw any fish, if we caught anything and what time would we be back for supper? You know, those general thoughts that were going on. And once I checked, she was okay kind of thing. It was interesting like that. I completely left what I call the earth plane. I was in the area. I could sense a being next to me on the left. It was just kind of like clouds or like rolling fog, so to speak. And I was looking up at what felt like it was either a portal, a doorway, like steps, kind of like I could tell it was up higher than like I felt really tiny compared to this. And it was this awareness. And then there was this bright white light, like like an LED light type 10,000, like you thought would burn your eyes out if you looked at it. And from there, it went to like a, a bright yellow, then an amber, and then like a deeper amber orange. But I mean, you felt like a speck compared to this huge light. And then I could see almost this faint being in this light, like an outline, but you couldn't look at it. And I was having a conversation with this being that I called source at the time of God, because I'm seven and I'm Catholic, right? And I, I remember being shown things. I, I didn't have conscious memory of it, but like I was being shown things in the life I was supposed to have and all these things. And the conversation that came into my awareness was that I had to go back. And I'm like, no. You can't make me go through that. I'm not going back. It felt like an eternity of this argument. Like, I am not going. There's no way I'm going through that. All of these things. And so we're just arguing because I was adamant I wouldn't. And all of a sudden, there's this deep, authoritative male voice that just boomed. That's the only way I can say is like, boom, because it was just so loud in my consciousness. It says, you have to go back. You have more to do. And like, Whoever this, whatever this voice was, was like, you didn't argue with it. I'm like, okay. But it's like, okay, I'll go. Like a pouty child. Because I mean, I'm seven and I'm still kind of relating to that consciousness. And I was just like, okay, you can make me go back, but you can't make me do, you know, anything. Kind of thing. And um, then I was suddenly with my body. And since I was still like, mm, you can't make me, I was like in and out. It's like, I could see what was happening to my body, but I wasn't like, connecting to it is the way I want to put it. I saw by then, you know, my uncle was carrying me up and laid me on my side up on the grass. I don't think there was any ill effects. I don't remember coughing up any water per se. I know this, I didn't really speak the next day and I didn't feel connected at all with like this weird floaty thing. And I kept going in and out of my body. Like I just didn't want to connect. Uh, so I think that might've been like why there was a delay in speech. <laughs> and the next day my brother and I I remember sitting in a chair at the end of our steps we lived in a like 200 year old farmhouse kind of Victorian and I was sitting in what called captain's chair and I was just sitting there at the end and talking to him and he's like well what happened to you and I said well I I'm pretty sure I died you know like I had this awareness I died because the last thing I said was you know I'm dead I'm gonna die and I said and why did you think that you could get me faster swimming or running 
and it, his face just went white and his jaw dropped. He's like, how did you know? You know, and I'm like, I heard everything. And I heard her say this and this and this. My family had had a lot of spiritual experiences, so to speak, or things that just didn't fit the norm by this point in our lives. So it wasn't like it was necessarily questioned per se, because my dad has the ability to see spirits and different things. And we had a lot of paranormal and what most people refer to as like haunting and ghost activity in this old house. So my family was a little more open uh, about these types of events. So they were just like, okay, you know, and then I started to really change. I started having prophetic dreams. My clear abilities were open more so. And I started to have this thing where I could tell when souls were leaving their body, like preparing to go home like two weeks before. Usually I would feel really sick, like almost like sick to my stomach, you know, like that weird butterfly, like you ate something bad kind of feeling. And I'm like, mom, something's wrong. Someone's going home, you know? And if I happened to see that person, they would look very waxy, almost like a wax dummy in a museum uh, as that soul energy was preparing to leave. And it was very kind of traumatic for me. So I literally prayed for that to stop because they looked so creepy. And at seven years old, I didn't understand. I had nobody to talk to. So I felt almost responsible when I knew things and couldn't pick it. You know, like I, there were a few times I, I warned different people of different things. Sometimes it saved them. Sometimes it couldn't. But the one I remember feeling the most responsible for was my aunt because she came to me, which was unusual and saying about these health issues. But I was like, you need to see your doctor tomorrow. Makes them listen to you. Well, she did, but they didn't listen. And she passed away two weeks later from an aneurysm. And I think I was 20 by this point. I'm not sure. But I still felt very responsible. But there were a lot of instances like that. And you have to remember with these gifts that there's still that free will choice. What they've planned or decided, there's not much you can change. But it was very hard being seven and, and just sensing things and knowing things. And well, not back then, it would... Sometimes it wouldn't come true right away. Uh, it would take a few years. It just depended as far as the prophetic dreams. Now it's like very fast. But I remember then, like, it felt like my whole life was deja vu. I'm not sure if it's from like what people call life review or what, but like I knew what was coming. It was constant deja vu. Like, oh, this is deja vu. Oh, no, this is coming, you know? So it was always, I think I developed kind of like an anxiety. And even connecting with people because I could sense things about them or their emotions and I would overly connect to that. So it made growing up very, very hard. I've had multiple experiences. So I didn't have another what you would call death or near death like experience till I was 28. And by then I had met and married my husband and I had become pregnant. And there, there's a lot to that as far as precognition. I was told I was supposed to have this certain child when I was 20 and some things about that. And then right prior to this death experience, my grandmother had come to me because we had tried for years to have a child and we're not able to. And she came to me and she told me, you know, this child is not yours to keep. There will be more, but you can't keep this one. Please don't be afraid. This whole vision was me with her in my doctor's office. And then she showed me the calendar and she showed me the date on the calendar of the date this event would happen. And so on that date, I ended up spotting severe, severe pain 
the baby's heartbeat had stopped. I ended in the emergency room for an emergency DNC. And because they didn't have any of my medical information, they gave me too much anesthesia, they feel. And I was bleeding out during the DNC and I quit breathing. I had to be put intubated on a ventilator. And also, uh, I know the doctor told me he almost lost me. He yelled at me, in fact, because I had the whole after effects similar to my NGE. And I knew something had happened. I was okay with it. I was told this was supposed to happen. And I saw in future NGEs that like I had gone home for healing to be able to have these babies that I was supposed to have. And that there wasn't much I needed to remember. It was just for this healing um, to my body because I had taken on so much uh, spiritual and emotional and physical trauma in that time. And there was some ancestral trauma too, preventing these pregnancies. Then what happened was when I came to, I demanded to be off these meds because they were making me feel really well, weird. And I guess they had me on like a, a blood thickener and pain meds and various things. And I told them I wanted off. And that's how I knew I almost died too. Cause he's like, he's like, we lost you last night. You could have died. You could still die. You know, you need these meds. I'm like, I'm fine. I want off them. He's like, <laughs> and I was very adamant. I got this huge argument. He was a doctor I worked with. I happened to work at that hospital. I forgot to say, so he wasn't very happy with me. And he struggled with another woman all night, which is ironic in that sense. Cause he almost lost her too and the baby, but it was born as soon as I was, uh, coming out, the baby was finally born and you could hear it screaming, you know, to me, it was like the circle of life, you know, one left, one was born and that experience. But uh, with each experience, my clairs were more and more pronounced and just these knowings would come to me. In between that, I had this one and the next one, I had a very changing experience, I want to call it. I had this experience that I was sitting on like a futon type thing with my husband and all of a sudden my whole vision changed and I was seeing a light up honeycomb grid. And then there was this pulsing light that was coming through in various uh, pink, blue, like neon colors coming through. I, I didn't know what was happening to me and all of a sudden my consciousness kind of like went into this big black tunnel. All I could see was this black tunnel. And I started to feel like I was leaving my body almost. Uh, I couldn't lift my arm. I remember I couldn't lift my body. I didn't feel like I was in my body. And this experience went on for like at least, I want to say 10 minutes or more, where I was seeing all this and not able to move. And I got to a point where almost what you would call blackout, like all of a sudden I just was like falling. I felt like I was falling backward. And... When I came to, I still couldn't lift my arm. I remember that. And I didn't know my name. I, I could not bring my name forward for anything. I didn't know where I was or who I was. And so my husband took me to the hospital. They ran a bunch of tests. They couldn't find anything. And it took me about two hours for they kept asking me who I was. I didn't know. I don't even know if I left the hospital knowing exactly who I was. I think I finally remember my name, but I didn't remember a lot of details. And they ran a lot of tests, still could never find anything. I thought maybe it was a strange migraine or something to that effect, because uh, they ran all the heart studies and the EEGs and the EKGs, both carotids. They checked it. I went through so many tests. But the interesting thing after that is my 
personality and my purpose completely changed. Like I was a totally kind of different person. And it was kind of like a switchover. Like before that I was, um, I had three children, I was married and I, like that was my whole focus. With this, I was kind of like much more, like I have a purpose, this is what I'm gonna do. And I have things to do here. And I didn't let anybody kind of get in my way or other people's expectations you might say, or roles kind of affect what I was supposed to do. And then this led to um, another near-death experience where I had, I lost blood flow to my brain um, during an event and I stumbled backwards about five or six feet and cracked my head on the door frame. I fell backwards and I seizured and stopped breathing. My husband and my daughter who was very young at the time were, were um, there home when that happened. My husband said he came running up to me because he heard me fall and I didn't appear to be breathing. I was kind of flumped over. And during the time I was instantly out of my body, I went to this place that I call Heaven City. I, it's kind of where like the spirit guides and the Akashic records and all these things are going on. Um, and I was on this marble park bench. All I remember is like a similar bright light and kind of mist around this bench. And there was a being, um, she looked like my mom, but I instantly knew like the energy didn't seem the same. And I remember them kind of feeling contrite and just like, this is for your benefit. We wanted to keep you calm, didn't want to scare you kind of thing, like a, a form that you would more recognize. And I was having a conversation with this being and they told me I had done enough now. I, you know, I put in that positive balance. I could stay or I could return. I had done enough. And I remember instantly thinking, no, I need to get back to my daughter. And there was this whole remembrance of one of the last lives I had had with her. We had incarnated in what appeared to be like 1800s England. I remember the cobblestone streets and houses were like cottages. I was a cobbler. I was, I was a man. I was a cobbler. I could see what I looked like. And I just closed up shop. So it was like kind of twilight-ish. And I had my like small pouch, I guess you would call it, in my breast pocket of the coins and money I had made that day to bring home. And I was about to cross this bridge, which was like I said, the cobblestone bridge. On the other side, like two houses down, was my cottage where I live. And I was about halfway over this bridge when men like came rushing from the shadows and one closest to me had like what you call like a musket type handgun uh, you know with the, the big <laughs> heavy trigger i don't know uh, if anybody knows about guns but it was like a musket ball handgun and he held it up to me and he was robbing me obviously so he demanded my money and so i got it out of my right backpack and i, I handed it to him and then He's like, no, give me all your valuables. And meanwhile, the other guy's like, no, we just wanted the money, you know, and he's grabbing at him and pulling his arm. He's like, let's go, let's go, let's go, you know? And by doing that, if anyone knows anything about those type of firearms, it's hair trigger. It went off and shot me right under the right ribs. And then they were both freaking out because he shot me and he's like, come on, we got to go. And he's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And they went running off. The significant thing of this at the time was I had a pain there 
since I was very, very small, my mom took me to all sorts of specialists because of this pain under my right ribs. Nobody could find anything. Anyway, I'm, I made my way home to the cottage and I remember going through the door and I collapsed my wife's arms. And I remember seeing the same daughter, same age at my feet. And I remember saying, I was so sorry and I love you. And I, I died in her arms. And the thing with all of it was that they were showing me is that whether or not I would choose to stay or go because in that life I had died um, and the soul trauma, I could see the soul trauma that had caused her. And she has remembrance of that life where like she had to live and scrape by on the wharf, her and her mom, and she later took care of her mom. So I made the choice to come back, to not put her through that trauma again. I made a loving choice. So it all kind of in spirit time kind of runs all at once. So I almost had a feeling like that's why I was able to come back because I made that loving choice. And once I came back in, I found that forgiveness for those men and, and realized that, you know, they didn't purposely wish to harm me. Uh, I have not had that pain since, which I had it up until that point. So I thought that was very significant how those other lives and timelines kind of bleed through. Uh, what I call soul or cellular memory. And it's interesting in that regard because my daughter and I understood then why she was so kind of clingy. She never wanted me too far away from her or out of her sight. So it explained a lot of her own traumas that she carried over. Uh, so it was a very healing thing for all of us to have that remembrance from that experience. And then uh, fast forward uh, to 2019, I had what I call a connection to oneness, Christ consciousness. Some people would say a Kundalini awakening. I don't know if they're interchangeable, but a lot of it fits this type of event. I had started getting these knowings again, and I had this kind of telepathic conversation with what I call and he said was Yeshua. He's like, don't call me Jesus. I don't know, but I'm just saying the understanding of a few things that he wanted me to see. It was very interesting to me because like I said, I, I wasn't raised like strict, strict Catholic. So I was aware of, you know, the story of Yeshua, uh, Jesus. And um, he's like, he wanted me to know like he was my brother and we were equals and not to worship him. He got really upset as far as like, you know, in the sense that he wanted me to understand that these things that he did, people are capable of and that love is there for everyone and all these type of things. But this particular day, I felt really strange. And I'm just like, I, I told my husband, I just need some air. I need to get outside, maybe ground. I don't know what's going on. And as soon as I went outside, I started to have this whole visional type experience where I was seeing the earth from its first, how it came into thought, into physical matter. And it showed like this burning ball of almost like lava type light. Um, and it came into form and how it was supposed to come into form and that I'd been here since that time. Like I was a thought energy that came in with earth and evolved with it. And it was like showing me all of these different things of how earth was supposed to be and how our experiences were supposed to be and how our free will choices changed that, what like frequency we were aligning with and all of these things. And I just remember sitting there like, 
ugly crying going, I am so sorry. I forgot once I got here. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. You know, and then they're like basically kind of like need to do better. This is how we change things, so to speak. And I just remember having this like huge, it felt like an instant dark night of the soul in the sense of, you know, my whole part in it and how everything played out. I was connected to like every thought form and everything that was happening. And I could see all the energy moving. And it's like, and the trees became sentient. So now I call them my sentinels because I have these huge three trees out here. And I remember just like their energy and like just showing me everything that had happened and how the earth had come to be and the lives that had come and gone and the decisions that were made that affected everything all in an instant and that accountability and responsibility. I even said, slow down, it was too much. I felt like in that movie, Lucy, where she just becomes one with everything and disappears. I felt like if I knew anything more, I would just disappear. And then it was like this weird, some might call it light language or something that came through me that I just started like singing. And there was this whole healing aspect and understanding of like what I needed and what I was, like how I was this pure loving form and um, how thoughts affected things. And that's when I was given the understanding, you know, that I needed to start speaking my truth and making people aware of the different things that are kind of outside our reality, you might say, that I was supposed to talk about my experiences, kind of put things out into the world and even, you know, and they wanted me to start doing all of that. And at the time I was an introverted extrovert, you might say, there was like no way I would be talking about these things and facing judgment for others and where people were at at that point of understanding that I was like, uh, you know, I'm not being persecuted for saying these things. I'm not doing it. And because I uh, kind of didn't move forward on that, I had a fourth death experience, um, January of 2021. Up until that point, I've been having some autonomic nervous system issues. I would just randomly stop breathing or not be able to move or swallow. And I'm not exactly sure as to why I do have a, I had been diagnosed with a lot of autoimmune issues. And this particular day, I had gone to bed probably about nine or so. Um, and I was honestly in the middle of talking, uh, texting um, with a friend. And I just kind of made it up. And my next memory of it is all of a sudden I was in this space, what I want to call my soul group. I saw my husband and my daughter, the person I call my twin frame, he was he was someone I have carnated with many times. He was there in front of me. He seemed to be more an authority. And my other friend uh, was off to my right. And I was in this white space again, you know, with the mist and just, and behind them looked like hundreds, if not thousands of what looked, appeared to be like light beings. They were kind of like shimmery, like bubbles. They were, they had form, but they weren't form. And to me, I just had the, knowing that it was just because I wasn't aware of them in physical form or they had never taken physical form. And they were all standing there. And I remember simultaneously, I was having like a, what felt simultaneously, I was having a conversation with the man that looked like my twin fractal and my friend. My twin fractal was like, at your level of light, you can't be using these words. I had um, inadvertently posted in a group saying, 
there was a thing that I had posted in a near-death experience group about a meme. There was a meme in there and it said something about lame ways we died. And a lot of people were posting like, if I die again, I want to do this. Well, I, of course, made the joke that I wanted to go like grandpa, uh, not like the passengers in his car. Well, grandpa went in his sleep. And I posted that like a week or two before this particular experience. So he was saying, what did you do? And he's like, you know, at this level of light, you have to be mindful of your words, your thoughts and emotions, like what you put out into the world, because it's going to manifest faster. There is more light energy now type thing is what he was explaining to me. And that I had to be mindful of this. And I had basically created my experience in that sense. Meanwhile, at the same time, the woman that is my friend was saying, if you want that body, you need to get back in it right now. And I was like, how do I do that? What do I do? You know, how do I get back in? I called it a vehicle. I said, how do I get in this vehicle? How do I start this thing? And she was like, you need to swallow. And so it was the strangest thing. Um, my friend that I later met had an NDE and she said, there must be something to that because I was told I had to swallow as well. So I found that very interesting. So there may be something to that. I don't know. It was weird because I was outside of my body, but then I, I saw that I swallowed and took a sip of like a drink I had. And as soon as I did, there was this huge, almost felt like a horse kick to my chest. And I, I, I gasped. I was like, oh. It was like I said, this horse kick, it felt like, and my heart started beating, but it was like, like it was just slamming my chest. And then they're like, okay, we got that going. And they're like, can you feel your body? I'm like, I can't feel anything. I can't move anything. They're like, okay, do a systems check. And it's like, but I knew like there was like a higher version of myself that kind of knew what was going on. And I remember like doing this energy scan from my feet up and I could, as the energy like rose from my feet up, it was like a, you know, when your hand falls asleep, felt like that times like a thousand. Like I could not, I mean, it was like the most pain. It was worse pain than my 27 hours of labor with my son, my first child. But it was an instant. I mean, it, it felt like forever, but yet it was like a five seconds maybe as the whole energy rose up. And um, then I was just laying in my bed, just shaking. I'm a medical assistant and all the symptoms to me seemed like more like, uh, like shock. Like I just shook and was ice cold for, I believe at least 20 minutes going, what the heck happened to me? And like, I knew something major and I, you know, I'm like, I died again. What the, you know? And, and I was just shaking. And the interesting part, I mean, there was a lot more information given and I could check this up for forever, but during this experience, but it was almost like what I would call a shared death because my twin fractal that I've been talking to when I accidentally fell asleep shared part of the experience with me. And that's the part I'll get into about, it was almost like a test. They said I had to figure out this test of he had to drink from my body of this. And it was like these tears and things that he had to rebirth something like my memories are kind of foggy of this part of it. But um, when I talked to him the, the next morning, the next day, I mean, he's like, what happened to you? I know something happened and I had to do all this stuff and I drank from your body and there was all this stuff that went on. And I'm like, I died. You remember that? He's like, I was there, you know? 
so he had that remembrance and the friend that was telling me to get back in my body um, that I had uh, these other spiritual experiences with shared experiences. She told me that she had called me the next day and she's like, I saw you laying dead in, in your bed. What happened? She's like, I was over your bed and I was looking at you and you were dead. So that like really freaked me out because I think this is the hardest one to assimilate because it's like, oh my God, I really died. And they really gave me all this information and all of these things, you know, because even though I've had so many experiences, I'm still one of these kind of like experiencer skeptics because <laughs> I was like, you know, um, wondering, did this really happen? Did, you know, what was that? You know, and I was given the understanding, like I said, that I, I had stopped breathing in my sleep. And after this experience, I have not had another autonomic issue. So it obviously healed whatever that was, or it happened for this event. I am not sure it was really interesting that way. Um, so I have not had any episodes of that since at all. But there was this whole knowing that I chose to come back in the sense that they showed me what was all supposed to happen. And I'm like, I worked too hard and too long to miss this. They showed me like all these lifetimes I had had and the work I have been doing to bring things to this point. I had understood that I was like a grid worker and I was helping heal this, what we call a light grid. And to bring in this new energy, um, I think some people call it, I think, ascension energy. I, I am not sure. I mean, there's different labels for different things. Um, but my understanding was that, like, there would be this new energy available for expanded consciousness. Like, people would start to remember the things that I, I knew and that they would need guidance. And that's why it was so important for me kind of to speak about these things and these events that have happened to me because they were going to be happening to more and more people. And so that's when I kind of got in gear <laughs> and I started being interviewed and actually talk about these things and these experiences. And I started my own um, thing called Spirit Sight. And I do a podcast, you know, talking about various things, spiritual events, but that they had given me this, all of this and like it, and showed me various things to do with this, that I was supposed to start this healing teaching ministry and, and do all of these things. And I finally like stepped into what I was supposed to do and understood what I, you know, had chosen to come here to do was to kind of speak this truth and be authentic in my experiences of what has happened to me because more people would be searching and thinking they're going crazy because the frequencies that were coming in would affect them and they would have their own remembrances and start to wonder what is going on with me? Am I losing myself? You know, um, I'm going crazy, whatever the case may be. And I know from the healing practice that I have, there are many that are remembering various lives that they have had and the things about themselves. And that's what I was shown. So I'm thankful for those experiences that I could kind of be like a way shower saying, you know, I understand what's happening to you. You're not going crazy. You're not losing yourself or because sometimes when you have this connection and you start realizing all of these things that you are capable of, because through all of these experiences, they have shown me that we are multidimensional beings. And as we remember that, it starts to get confusing if you don't understand where you are or why this is happening to you. 
they showed me that humanity would be having what I call a living life review. And hence they're remembering, and I've had a lot of people come to me that are remembering these other lives that they live. I was given the understanding that all of those things are in what I call the now, that we only have a perception of linear time in this physical body that anchors us to this grid and this experience. So it was just very interesting on the hows and whys of existence. I was shown a lot about manifesting reality. Just like I was talking earlier in my experience, how they told me it has to do with thought energy, emotion, and our attachment to various experiences. Um, because they, they told me I was supposed to be the observer, like see it like a play playing out. You know, the character may die, but the actor never does. You know, to observe it like that, that it was a storyline playing out. And I was just observing it, but I had attached so much to it that I was creating suffering for myself um, because I, I saw everything happening to me instead of for me. And then the further awareness through me, because as I expanded, I understood that, you know, I was this divine conduit that this consciousness flows through and is a fractal of that source energy that came here for experience see why and how and what why love is so important in my experiences i experienced like this unconditional love times like a i can't even fathom it it's like the most extreme parental love you could ever feel and this this peace and nobody ever wants to leave that right in, in the beginning but as i had more and more experiences I understood that space is always within me. I can reach it anytime. I can go back to that space and hold it in those moments where I slow down enough to just sit within myself. Everything is within me. And how healed my perception is affects everything without. So within reflects without is the main thing that was stressed to me. So if I wanted to, let's say, experience paradise on earth they've told me eden has always been here it's a frequency but by my free will choices i had kind of fallen from that frequency you might say i no longer was in alignment with it so i was creating this totally different storyline and that was kind of what i was shown in the 2019 experience so for me i realized how i was creating my own I don't like the term suffering, but that's what how kind of you would say, like I was taking everything so personal and into my soul that it was about me and it had nothing to do with me. What other people were creating had nothing to do with me. Um, they showed me that like sovereignty was so important to respect that what other people were choosing to do or perceive about me had nothing to do with me. It was their own state of healing within them. And I would just take it and make it a part of me. You know, these expectations and perceptions of me that I constantly heard and being projected at me in the sense that I was being told, you know, um, you're to this, you're to that, you're this, you're that, you're a mom, you're a wife, you're a mother, whatever they were. You know, we have certain expectations of those roles. And by doing so, 
you know, I was taking that all into me and feeling I had to be a certain way. And then there's that guilt and that suffering that you create because I have to be X, Y, Z because I thought I'd be this, you know, and where I let go of all that, that, you know, it's okay to be authentically me, whatever I think, whatever I feel, I don't answer to any one's else's expectations or perceptions of me that to me is that healed state that abundance of divine flow that i'm authentically me and when i'm authentically me i am in that divine flow because each of us as a fractal of source wasn't meant to be like everyone else why have two identical thought forms that doesn't expand the experience what keeps expanding and making these infinite possibilities is the fact that we are each different, making different choices and perceiving things differently. And that creates a whole different experience with the storyline. So with that, I found a lot of freedom and peace. People are always like, how can you be so positive? How can you be so loving? Because I saw that everyone is a fractal of source. So if everyone is a fractal of source, you are me, I am you. So anything I do or judge onto you, I'm really judging onto myself. And why would I want to do that? Why would I want to create such unhappiness within myself? It showed me that everything was a mirror. And by looking in the mirror, I was able to heal those things. It's never ending because each time it's like the Fibonacci spiral they showed me. You know, Every time you reach a higher frequency, you your perception changes. And you, from that perception, you're able to heal it even more. And so I feel like we're always evolving as a soul and seeing everything from a different perception. So that's kind of the story of me up until this point of my spiritual experiences. I am always having what people will call spiritually transformative events as I'm shown different things or have different experiences. Like a month ago, I was pulled out of body. I was in like a really kind of funky place, like you can't get me through this, get me out of here. I don't want to do this anymore. And Archangel Michael came to me and he said, I can't remove anything from your experience that you've already pulled into it, into the physical plane. I cannot remove it, but I can help you find less attachment to it so it moves through your experience faster. And that was really profound to me because I realized, you know, the more I claim something for myself, At that time, I was having some physical problems and I was like, the more I fed it and attached to it or threw meds at it or various different things, the more I was claiming it from my experience. And and so he showed me that if I just let go of it, it would flow through my experience faster. And then I understood that, but I, I was pulled, I saw my life from a 360 view and they showed me this thing, they called, they, they called it project dreamscape that like it was just layers of all these dreams, but I chose to come back to this timeline with my family because they were not as aware. And because they were not as aware, they were creating this suffering for themselves. And I and I saw how each of them perceived things and how they were suffering. And I'm like, I can't let them do that. I said, I, I get it. Okay, I'm going, I'll go back. <laughs> and that was the major one for me because I understood why on a different level, why I was here and kept choosing to come back was to 
speak and give that awareness. And so I was like, okay, okay, okay. I know I'm supposed to keep doing this and what I'm doing. So, you know, we, we all have, I think, those moments where like, I've had enough, just get me out of here. I'm tired. I'm so tired. And that was just a moment for me. So no matter how much awareness I think we have, we still have those moments of, I just want to go home. I'm tired. That's actually a book I'm working on. Um, it's, you don't have to die to learn to live because I'm a quantum shamanic healer. I guess you would say, I call it a remembrance guide. So I walk people through how to get to their source incarnation, where I call the first PTSD, where they are uh, traumatized because they come from this complete consciousness, all it is. And they're put in this itty bitty body and they don't realize that they're still connected to all that they've ever been. And I find when I work with people, that is like the initial trauma wound and that they're very angry and very disconnected from like where those abandonment issues come from, from the root chakra issues. So my perception of how you can reach this understanding and everything else without takes a little bit of work, you know, how everybody wants, even with illness, we want a quick bandaid. We want, we want the pill, we want the whatever, you know, rather than changing our diets or anything. And it's kind of similar. I find that with spirituality that there isn't a quick fix, but there is a way. My understanding and doing this work that I do, it's all about sitting with yourself, slowing down, taking those moments to sit within yourself and truly look at who you are. I don't feel that happens enough. I mean, with the different things going on in the world, we were kind of forced to slow down. And I think that has a lot to do with why more and more people are finding themselves or these awarenesses. But sitting with yourself and being truthful with yourself, that accountability and responsibility of the part you play in everything that happens to you, to releasing what they call the victim mentality and realizing the part that you played truly looking at these moments, not, I'm not saying anybody has to relive them, but finding forgiveness for yourself, for your emotional attachment and reaction to these events. Like, what are you hanging on to? How does it serve you? Is that pattern repeating in your life? Really look at your life and say, okay, is this repeating? When I look back, I could see like a whole string of repeated patterns, different players, same pattern when I was honest with myself. And I was like, okay, well, what trauma, what created this pattern and how am I attaching to it? But unless we really wanna have an honest look, which isn't easy to do with ourselves, we can't find that expansion within ourselves. I would say we are the divine temple, you know, and the portal, like when I do work, I literally see this portal, it's a little bit below your heart chakra. And I'll see like the universe, the star systems, nebulas, various things, wherever their point of origin is within this space. And that's the space that the divine has told me, like we each interconnect, you know, like these um, almost like a light cord that we, what I call phase lock to other people to share these experiences. I often feel like the tunnel that some people see in near death experiences is this because when I do my portal and vortex work, and open these up to connect people to their different fractals. I see these light portals. Some look like uh, slinkies almost, like light up slinkies, like these, these tunnels of light that 
squirrel and this whole thing that are bright like neon blue if they're like more what people call a star seed i will see this like long almost violet tube of light that connects them back to that consciousness and when we expand and look at these things we can have that expansion it, it's kind of like if you live in your authenticity and you keep choosing your truth and unconditional love, that expansion is naturally happens from what I've seen with different people and my own experience. But that is very hard sometimes, you know, you to find that level of forgiveness because it's human nature. Like they did this to me, you know, I mean, I had a very troublesome childhood. I mean, I had a lot of things that could have made me feel that way. And maybe for a time did, you know, like I was like very stuck on why would you hurt me? Why would you verbally or physically do these things to me? You know, but I, I realized if all of those things hadn't have happened to me, I would not be the person I am today. So when I found that thankfulness, that, that gratefulness of I found my strength within these experiences, I was able to release and forgive them. Because I realized and spirit had shown me that as this remembrance guide, healer, whatever label somebody wants to throw at it, I couldn't reach people in a frequency I've never experienced for myself. I wouldn't know how to go there. I wouldn't know how to reach them. It reminds me of the dream, um, the movie, the dream, what dreams may come. Like he had to remember his depression in order to reach his wife, to pull her out of that perception that she was experiencing. And it's kind of like that, you know, if I hadn't experienced all of those things, I wouldn't be able to use those experiences to guide others back to wholeness. So I, I changed my perception of each of those events. I became grateful for the things that happened to me and the things that they showed me. And that helped me heal. I think from what I was shown to be what I call that divine light channel that that conduit the more we heal the more an expansive amount of light that we can hold because when i look at people and they're hanging on to various energies and things at first it used to show almost like pig pen where it's like this swirling dust ball <laughs> within them various sizes various different chakras but it's where they were holding that trauma so the light couldn't flow through them as it can maybe somebody who has cleared that. And so as we clear these things and are honest with ourselves, we can find that expansion. And often doing so will trigger, you know, a spiritually transformative event such as a Kundalini awakening, I have found for people. So no, I, I don't feel anyone has to die to find themselves and the divinity within them. They just have to ask. I think the biggest thing, talking with your soul group, what I call your soul cloud, which is all the personality complexes that have ever been you and are you in the now moment. And asking for that guidance, asking for that healing. And just remember, they've also told me, you know, when we ask for our highest timeline, that's different than how we perceive our highest timeline. It's not riches and glory and living in Eden per se, because your highest timeline may be healing these things or transmuting ancestral trauma. Um, a lot of what I've seen for myself and people that I've worked with was that they came here to be 
that be a transmuter basically to heal their either ancestral lineage or their incarnation lineage of releasing these energies that have been affecting lifetime after lifetime things that we have worked on now we have the most available energy to release those and find that healing and so by doing so i have released a lot of things that have happened so they don't continue on and i feel that's one of the biggest gifts that has been given to me is to um, transmute a lot of that energy and understanding and finding forgiveness within my lineage my mother passed away in 2004 and the reason i'm bringing this up is because we've had a lot of after-death communication with her um myself and my daughter and some of my family but she comes through us the most and one of the things she has said is that she is working through us also to heal herself and the lineage of you know being able to like see me and my daughter's interaction is helping her heal things she didn't understand within like her and mine you know and things like that and i was never so aware that we do those kinds of things as I am now, as far as we are always working with those energies to heal and expand. And some things we attach to that we don't need to, I've seen that as well, or uh, especially very being very empathic. Like I got to the point when I was working in the medical field that I was taking on so many other energy patterns in my effort to help others heal, I was taking on that energy. I had like, I was diagnosed with like 16 different comorbidities and autoimmune disorders that when they ran tests, blood wise and otherwise, I didn't have, but I had every symptom of it. <laughs> there was only maybe one or two that like physically I had symptoms of. Uh, I mean, like when they did bone scans, they could tell I had arthritic changes and different things. But a lot of it was just things I was taking on and unaware. So I was able to clear a lot of that out as well. Like all these things I had taken on for others because we can be a channel to help others heal through that divine light channel. But unless you're very consciously aware, you can also pull them into your energy field and manifest them. And that's kind of what was happening to me because I was kind of like this blind empath going, oh, just wishing everybody would heal and not realizing that I was taking on some of the energies in my own field. So I just thought that was rather interesting as far as healing. So one of the things I recommend to ask your guides is that, you know, is this mine? Is this pain mine? Is this emotion mine? You know, and do that work and, and feel into it intuitively. Is this mine? And that is like a major step in healing some of this is talking to your guides, intuitively trusting those answers and, and just trusting your own intuition. Stop going outside yourself for answers. Everything you need and a, that is about you, you're this individual sovereign divine creation, your answers are within you. A lot of the answers you need, no one else can give you. Just you and your soul team, so to speak, all that you are. That's how I see all of that, so thank you. <laughs> As things have expanded and my experiences have expanded, if you are in connection with what I call um, collective consciousness or Christ consciousness, all that is, I have found through various things 
that consciousness can plug in and out of any of these experiences. So when you ask me, how do I know they were mine, saw those energies and felt those energies. So the energy signature was mine. I guess you could say where other ones I have stepped into different timelines, different perceptions to help things move or, or heal. And I become aware of them and I'll know they're not me. And I'll be like, okay, this is not me. What am I doing here? And, you know, but I view it in a sense because it will help me heal something or understand something. What I call our downtime, you know, like when we think we're sleeping, I do a lot of that kind of work in the quantum space where I am seeing various different things from different people's perspective, almost like what you would call a living life review. Because in a life review, you see each person's perception and experience it for yourself, probably even more so than they have. You know, you really feel everything that's going on. So sometimes I have those experiences where I'm in different people's perception and I experience what they're experiencing. So I understand where they're coming from. So I hope that I Give a little bit of understanding to that. But in the now moment, what they call like, I call it the void of creation, where everything's going on at once. And there's all these boxes of potentiality. You can see all these different lives. And like some of these, I've seen various lifetimes where I am me, but I've made different choices or I've died in that timeline. And the next one I did not, you know, and all the different choices I have made, like a choose your own adventure book. And I've even seen that in real time here where I made a choice, but the other choice it showed me played out like you could have, this could have happened to you. And I, and, and I had a shared experience of that as well, um, where we saw the whole timeline because we didn't, we were supposed to crash and get in this accident and all this, this stuff was supposed to happen and we didn't choose it, but we almost saw it like a ghost overlay of what could have happened. It was, that was one of our experiences. I've had so many that I, I just don't get into them all, but So I know there is these other timelines and these other things going on by making different choices. So that's what I call like concurrent timelines. And those can bleed through as well. But then there is what I call the soul club, which is all these fractals of source energy that have had different experiences and have different skills and different expanded consciousness. And from what they showed me is when we incarnate, we choose a few of these to work on and to expand or something they wanted to finish, right? So those are part of what I call your your collective that work through you as a consciousness, through your experience. Like how I told you my mom was trying to learn different things to me, kind of like that where They're experiencing it with you. They're seeing it through you and it is helping them heal and expand at the same time. And you can see and tap into some of those. Like I've had remembrance of various lives and they explain traumas. Like I told you of my death experience as a gentleman and I had that pain here since I was born, right? Well, there was another one where kind of, I think where some of the agoraphobia comes in and stuff. I was locked in a cage hanging outside a castle wall for four years in a past life for turning against my family for doing something that I thought was right. And having that remembrance helped me heal some of these. And that was an incarnation also with my youngest daughter. And it explains her because because of the same event, she was locked in, in a room 
four years well and she hates leaving her room and various other things and just different things that are in her personality totally reflect this life right so when i'm able to do those things like when i um do these sessions with people i'm able to walk back the different fractals of their incarnation and i can see and even through this portal work they will say well that's for me that's what i'm working on or they get that ability from me or that understanding from me you know and and it's rather interesting so to me i i feel like we're always a collective consciousness manifesting even though we think we're this individual so to me there is no such thing as what i call past lives other than what we see linearly because the human experience is linear so to me they're all in accessible in that now quantum space that you can tap into the and once you ex start to expand your awareness and do that healing i feel everybody can tap into these and a lot more people are i've had people coming to me and going you know i just spontaneously ran into my neighbor i i never you know i've only said hi to them and or things like this you know where they are having some spontaneous memory of a whole other lives with these people um more and more so that's what i call like i said the living life review that a lot more people are going to be going through but that's how i see them and how i say people tap into them like get all these marie antoinettes or i'm cleopatra or i'm this and that and i'm not saying one of these people didn't actually incarnate in that collective to be that person but i feel more so they're tapping into this universal consciousness and able to pick up on some of the things and experiences that this person had or maybe even reading their Akashic record and not realizing that's what they are doing. So that's how I see it all. One of the experiences I had, I remember, was showing me two different things. It showed me on this huge grid of blue neon light. And there was a version of me at every intersection. And that's where I started to expand going, okay, there's all these versions of me. They were literally showing me that. And then they were even showing me like this Rolodex came over at the time, it was my daughter's face because I had asked if we can, if we have animal incarnations. And it was showing me all these different animal incarnations. And then it stopped at the one that was her and was always an animal she related to. During that experience, I understood, you know, that consciousness can move. And, you know, my husband's had an experience where, like, he could see through the eyes of a kestrel. And, you know, many of the indigenous have these, what they call spirit animals. And, you know, uh, the Wiccan faith uh, has what they call familiars that they can see through. And now I understand that. I mean, I had an experience where I was this Black Panther, where before I never would have, you know. So it's always like until I experience it. So I understand people when they're very skeptical, you know, because I am too in the sense that, like, I believe anything is possible and we're limitless. But until I experience it for myself, I don't quite understand it. You know what I mean? Like, you can't bring it into yourself until you've really kind of experienced it. But Spirit has always showed me that as long as you are aware of the possibility and believe there is a possibility, you can have that experience. So that's another reason for, like I said, speaking about my experiences, no matter how crazy they sound, because the more and more you go to these groups and different things where you, you speak this and are in that frequency and that possibility, the more it becomes a potentiality for you. It becomes in that void, a potentiality that now that you're aware of it, it can become a potentiality for you. Uh, the reason I, I talk about this is like when people talk about manifesting much with us out there, it is very possible. But often when we make like how people make dream boards or various things, they're like, I want X, Y, Z. I, 
I want a red truck with big mud tires and, you know, a diesel engine or whatever. We put all these stipulations on what we want instead of leaving it open to the universe of how it comes to us. Like I need a vehicle to get point A, point B, you know, it needs to hold five people, whatever, you know, those type of things rather than getting specific that like, I want a house in Malibu. It's got to have five bedrooms and a gourmet kitchen. You know, the minute you do, you're cutting out all those potentialities of the universe being able to bring you what you want to experience. And the biggest thing I think with that too, is always trusting that you have everything you want. When you're in the divine flow and staying in that state of abundance of that, you know, everything's provided for you. Like you'll never be in a state of lack. It flows into your experience. But the minute you're saying I want or I need, you're already claiming a lack for yourself. Because everything you want is here. It's limitless. Anything you want to do is here. It's limitless. It's the mind construct that keeps you caged. Literally. What your your mind is basically the master of your reality they showed me. So if you want to expand your experience, you need to master your mind. Is it a loving thought? No. Then dispel it. Find what you're grateful for. Like when I have what seems like something I don't want to experience, I find a way to be grateful for it. So it moves through my experience. Because I trust that the next thing, like this friend left me or we got to fight with this friend or, or you don't, you stop talking to your family, all sorts of stuff like that. You know, people be like so upset about. And I get it, but I've come to trust that something better is supposed to happen. This person might be leaving your experience because you're meant for something better, or it was holding you back from making that move, taking that job, whatever it was. Trust your divine flow. At this, that you're exactly where you need to be in every now moment. Whether you perceive it as not something you want to experience or not, you're exactly where you need to be. And when you find that level of trust and just flow through it, you release all that suffering and you're in that flow of abundance because it's here. It's always been here. And that's kind of how I navigate my life as best I can. I mean, yeah, I, I, I get where I feel beat down sometimes when I get too much into my own head and too much anchoring into this experience of being this person. But I, I feel it's available for everyone and it is just a matter of changing your perception, how you see your reality. Is it happening to you or through you is a huge perception shift. I was very stubborn and skeptical. So, I mean, to have one so young, I often wonder now, you know, they say about seven is the age when you start to be more programmed, I want to say, basically why your reality and things you're being told and aren't possible, are possible, who you're supposed to be, all of those things by that age. I think I had it then, so I didn't like completely go back to sleep, so to speak. Like, so I pretty much believed like it was planned. And that was right around the time my, my grandfather, who was like the only loving person I could really connect to in my timeline, had passed away. So... It was right around that same time. I'm not sure if it was before or after, but I think it was also to help me because that was really traumatic for me. But as far as, like, I didn't have a death experience for my 2019 connection or awakening um, experience. And that one was probably more fundamentally changing than some of the others. 
So I don't think they were necessary to have to be awake. But I think for me, because I was stubborn and I wasn't doing what I came here to do. Remember, I said I'd come back, but I didn't promise I would do what I was supposed to, right? So I think I needed to for that remembrance and that reminder, because in between each of those, I let traumas and death and things get to me to a point I wasn't functioning or putting myself out there like I needed to do to do what I came here to do. So for me, yes, I feel I probably had to have those. Um, and a lot of them, like I said, I went home for healing because I had taken and attached too much to the traumas going on in this. And I did too much what I call soul trauma because I overly attached so much of events that had happened to me. I started getting some various interesting remembrances that, you know, and in that 2019 experience, they had said that, you know, you've been here since the beginning as Earth was being created, like basically an elemental, but not elemental in the way we perceive them because I had a beyond quantum hypnosis technique. Part of that experience that came to me was another past life. And this other thing of who I am elementally, I literally sat in this experience, supposedly with the beyond quantum hypnosis. Um, this person was trained by Dolores Cannon and took some other different courses. The understanding from it is that it's like your higher self talking through you, which I could definitely equate to because it almost felt like my consciousness stepped aside and there was this voice coming through me and it talked totally different than I would and everything else. And during this session and I said that I was love incarnate and that there were all these like fractals of love, these emotions that you need to create life and create existence. And they were all like reflections of love, you know, like love, hope, faith. But there was also like hate, envy and things like that. Right. And it showed me in this thing that. I was like this being and I was holding the universe like earth between my hands energetically. And I was looking at it and these other beings were looking into what I want to call like a portal at earth. Right. And in this experience that I was experiencing and seeing through this quantum hypnosis, I remember only wanting to put love into the universe and that I had put all this love into the universe. But then those other beings were saying, you can't just have that. It can't be perfect. You know, there needs to be this, this experience, you know, so they each put some of themselves into it. And I remember saying that this would create an imbalance. So what I did, according to everything I said in this hypnosis session, was that I put exactly what I talked about earlier. Fractals of love of myself, I said, through all time and space of the earth experience to help balance it back into a more healed experience. So I thought that was really interesting in the sense that love was a state of being. And so were all these other aspects and that they had to come together in order to create life. So my understanding was that I was a fractal of this love incarnate and that there were all those fractals I saw on the blue grid were all of that going out into infinity and that it was to bring this higher awareness into the earth experience to he basically heal it. But 
I was like bawling because I was like, you know, this isn't how it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be this loving experience. You know, I was like crying when I was, you know, relating this whole story of what happened. And I also remember not realizing when I put myself in my own creation that linear time and how long it would take to make that happen and get back out of that creation. Do you know what I'm saying? So it was really interesting. And I think I was just tapping into this consciousness. I'm not saying I'm that, you know, you know, it was like a fractal of source, right? But that's why I chose to come into this experience over and over and through so many timelines was to be that frequency within this experience. Much of what I have been given and referred to about being here is all in computer terms, like fiber optics, phase lock, simulation, illusion, you know, um, energy, frequency, sound, all that terminology, almost like a, like a virtual holodeck, like for experience to expand souls. I've been shown like, and so is my daughter, you know, we're basically in these classrooms trying to learn and create and how to create life and all of these things. So I've always kind of had the understanding like earth is sort of a school, like the Hogwarts of creation, but it's also like a seed planet. Like everything that exists here, exists at the dense lowest matter. So everything that exists here has a higher, more evolved version, you know, like how there's mantis beings because there's mantis here. You know, our higher evolution I've been shown is like those light bodies, like they were more light. We have a kind of a physical form, but we're more light. You know, there's living water in the higher levels of heaven, right? And plants and animals all glow with light. They're a higher level. But everything I feel that is here has a higher frequency that exists somewhere, you know? So people always say, why is Earth so protected? Why is Earth so important? Because it's one of the places where all the stem of all life comes from. You know, this is just what you would call a more larval nursery. Because in my first death experience, when I came back, they told me, they gave me the analogy of the butterfly. You know how the butterfly starts as a caterpillar and then it goes into cocoon and all of its DNA is like turned to mush and it's like realigned. And then it's this beautiful flying free, you know, butterfly when it metamorphosizes. And that's literally what they showed me. I remember saying to mom, my mom going, we're just butterflies, mom. We're in the larval state of our evolution, of our spiritual evolution. We're just, you know, and that's kind of how I, I see Earth. And in that same quantum hypnosis, I literally said that Earth was a godling's game of smoke and mirrors. Like there was these godlings and everything else that existed were mirrors to help them grow and evolve into these creator beings. That was one of the other things that came through in that beyond quantum hypnosis. But as for past lives and another reason I believe it's important in our healing process, I believe they only come up if there are things that we are still working on. Because if you remembered all of your past lives, because people ask me this a lot, why can't I remember all of them? You could think how many thousands of souls you would miss from all these planets, dimensions, everything. You know, probably millions. I, I don't even, I can't even get into numbers, right? But you would miss them if you remembered everything because even the lives I remember are so hard because it's like you want to connect with those people. And even if you know them now in real time, it's not still the same time. You can't have that same connection with them. And that is very, very hard. 
So this other one I remembered in this quantum hypnosis is that I was a 12, 13 year old girl who was followed by this man and some very terrible things happened to me. I won't get into it because, you know, it's, it's a trigger for some. But I was also buried alive because uh, he thought he had suffocated me. So and he had blamed me and how beautiful I was and the light that I carried, you know, and he got all, I think, kind of religious on me and saying, you know, I was the temptress and I made him do all these things to me and stuff. And a lot of that carried over into this life. It was literally the life before this. I literally jumped from that life to this life. Um, I, I came right back. And so I carried a lot of those traumas in my root and sacral chakra to do with sexuality, you know, and that that blame of, you know, you're, you made me do this. And the smothering, like all of my deaths had something to do with oxygen deprivation, you know. Um, so being buried alive, you know, I was still repeating that pattern. So it was very healing to me to have a source of where that was coming from to heal and find that forgiveness for myself and the fact that I was so traumatized as well of what it did to my parents having to lose me in that way and that I had planned all that. And so it's very important in the healing process to, if these come up, to look at why. And I, I've noticed, you know, just working with other clients and things, a lot of the things that they're interested in or are very talented in, I was able to see you know, like I said, which life that came from, or even if there was something to complete with that, you know, and, but it was just so interesting because you could see where the different personality complexes, I call them, came in to it. You know, some people say there's like the soul aspect that goes back and there's also like this personality part of the soul energy that fragments or can get stuck or whatever. And to me, I guess that maybe those are those personality complexes I'm talking about. Like, I've noticed and seen that like people often question this, but for me, I see that their personalities don't change that much. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, as far as like their core things, you know, yeah, there's things they learn and expand from, but their core personality, like let's say what they find funny, what they like to eat and various things like that don't change too much. And I also noticed from working with people and my own experiences, like when more, more of that fractal integrated for something it wanted to work on, that's when you see like you have those sudden fears or you, like your food things kind of change or your interests kind of change because that's that energy integrating or coming into you. And it might change a little bit. Like um, there was one I was trying to help a friend integrate because it was supposed to help her move forward. And she even noticed that she started wearing her hair different those days that she sensed that energy. You know, so there are some differences, but some of the core things stay the same to those personalities complexes like I was a cobbler in that one life and I still love working with leather I like making pouches and purses and different things you know so you know some of that stuff carries through in our likes and wants and things so I always find it very interesting it was just about that you know everything becomes the small stuff like my husband and I just went through like this kind of joint dark night of the soul and he had this spiritual awakening and he's like nothing matters. Why does there, you know, and I'm like, the only reason I, I said, I have that expansion and I get that, like, it's all the small stuff, but we choose to observe and maybe lock in and experience certain things along this timeline that we wanted to learn or expand from. And the rest we don't take with us because literally 
when you die, basically they ask you, like, how did you love? What love did you give? There is no judgment other than what you give yourself for not being that loving, unconditional being, you know, because we're so multidimensional, you know, you, you may even see all, all the lives that you live, but during that type of thing. And I think each NDE is individual for the person's own expansion. That's why I feel they're all a little bit different, but yeah, it's mostly, you know, how did you love? How did you give love? How did you put love into the experience? And that's really all that matters. Those little kind of things, unless, you know, you needed to see an unloving act to expand and make a different choice when you come back. That's what matters. It's not, what did you own? You can't take anything with you and you don't own anything or anyone, you know, and I, I think sometimes that's harder. Like this experience isn't even yours. You know what I mean? Like you're a divine fractal, a divine thought form playing out and you're able to experience it because you're given that as a gift. Having this earthly experience and being a physical being so that you can experience multidimensionality is a gift. And when we find the ability to be grateful for the experience, that's when it becomes expansive and miraculous. If you follow the synchronicities in your life, they'll lead you to the greatest miracles you've ever found because nothing in this life is random and nothing happens to you, it happens through you. And that's, I think, the biggest message that I like to leave people with in the understanding of how I see reality. And my truth may not be your truth. I respect your sovereignty of what you're creating. You can experience anything you want and ex create anything you want. So my experience may not be yours, but mine is of love. And I don't think love can harm anyone. I think we go with what humans see as love and not the divine unconditional love. Unconditional love is loving everyone exactly as they are, where they are, without exception, without judgment. That's unconditional love. Where ours is human love, it's kind of a little bit more conditional. Like if you treat me X, Y, Z and you are X, Y, Z, then I can love you. And, and that's not, that's not how source loves us. It's the most divine, expansive parental love you could ever feel. And I, I wish I could put, uh, put that originally with when I talked about my first death experience. And I'm not sure if I did, but because it was so expansive and it was so encompassing, like this huge hug of light that said you are safe and you are divinely protected. Nothing can ever harm you. And that's the after death communication my mother did give me. Like nothing can harm you. You're not this being. And you may come and go and live a thousand different lives, but this isn't you, you know? So you are always safe to experience, stop limiting yourself. Mm -hmm.